how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to episode 364, Russ Sat Down with John Hamburg, the writer of so, so many comedies. He's the writer and director of many of these, including Me Time, the new Mark Wahlberg, Kevin Hart movie for Netflix, Night School, Why Him, Zoolander 2, Little Falkers, I Love You Man, Meet the Falkers, Along Came Polly, Zoolander, Meet the Parents, and Safe Man back in the day. In this interview, he talks so much about writing for comedy, setting the tone, what it means to come up with simple, relatable, sticky ideas, how he writes very simple stories, how actors kind of shape the story and why you need to rewrite and be super specific for your actors, and what it means to make comedy movies today, along with some advice about breaking into the industry. This is another great interview. You can also find the print version on Creative Screenwriting's website. I always did comedy. I was like a little comedy nerd type of kid. And, um, you know, then I, I got a video camera. My parents gave me a video camera as a gift when I was 15 for my 15th birthday. And so I started to make short films. So I guess that was early screenwriting. And then in college, I started writing plays and monologues. And then I got serious about writing and was like, oh, I, I kind of get, I knew I wanted to be a filmmaker, but I didn't quite understand screenwriting. And then through writing plays, I started understanding what real writing is and rewriting and how important that is to the process and then made more short films. And then I went to film school and from there, you know, started working professionally. It seems like uh, some of the films I remember seeing of yours, Zoolander, Alone Came Polly, um, I Love You, Man of the Years. There's so many um, smaller details there. How, mu how much, what is your process like in terms of like first draft, second draft? When do you really go in there and put these little nuggets of character in? Well, I, I tend to start with character and put a character into what to me is a relatable situation, <laughs> even though it's, a, it could be absurd. I, I, you know, I, that's where I start. So I do all this work, writing the characters and fleshing them out and thinking about what they want and what's in their way. And, um, you know, then, then I churn out the first draft. I try to do that pretty quickly. Um, right. Like, you know, what you guys may have heard is the vomit draft, um, you know, where you just vomit it out and then go back. And there's so much rewriting and revising and you learn about the characters and, and, you know, just observing life and putting in more tiny little details. Like you say, that stuff is really important to me. You know, I don't, I don't make big sci-fi movies or superhero movies. I try to do these um, very relatable comedies that that are about grounded everyday people so you know the details are really important to make those movies kind of feel special or not just like you know kind of a run-of-the-mill comedy i guess that's the goal at least what what advice might you have for for writing tone like if i look at um, a movie like i love you man it's so specific and so different a lot of the words in the film are not even real words they're just like character traits and these guys becoming buddies um, is that on the page? Is that something that comes later? How do you kind of think about those things? 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of that is on the page. And then as the director, in addition to being the writer, a lot, you know, a lot of it is through improv and mm -hmm. you need the right cast and the right actors and the right tone. But tone, you know, it's a great question because tone is everything to me. Mm -hmm. It's so important. And you see so many, you know, kind of first time films, you know, films from first time filmmakers. Some people nail it out of the, knock it out of the park initially, but some, the tone is like all over the place. And I can go, I see that because I've made those same mistakes early on in my mm -hmm. screenwriting career, particularly. And I think, you know, you just have to kind of like find your voice. Like all we have is our point of view. And I, I didn't succeed when I started, when I tried to be like someone else or like, I, I love this filmmaker. I'll try to write like them or write like this person until I sort of relaxed into what my perspective was and what was mm. funny to me. Um, that was when my career started to, to kind of take off. Sounds like it's mostly uh, timing and a lot of rewriting. Is there anything you did that helped you maybe um, jump some milestones there? Did you, did you read with friends? Did you read out loud with other actors? Um, what were some of those things that helped you find your voice? Yeah. I mean, certainly doing readings of, of the, the work, you know, you start to feel what's working and what's not. Um, you know, I have plenty of friends who are actors or good enough to, to be readers in a, in a script. So to hear that out loud is super helpful. And um, yeah, it, you know, it's just kind of, I, I give the script to a lot of people, get feedback. I, I'll pitch the movie to friends and you kind of see where they're leaning forward and engaged or where they're bored. And that helps me figure the story out, you know? So I think, you know, a lot of times writers that are um, introverts, you know, mm -hmm. just want to be alone. I'm more of an extroverted kind of person. So mm -hmm. I, yes, I spend a lot of time by myself writing, but I like to share the work because it, that feedback really energizes me and helps me figure out the tone and figure out what's working and what's not. What is it? I'm not sure. I know some of these are studio films. I'm not sure if some of them were, were spec scripts in the beginning. What does some of your brainstorming look like when you've got a couple ideas? How do you know this is the next one I want to pursue? Um, the brainstorming looks like the the scribblings of a madman because um, it's it's all over the place. You know, it's a Word or Pages document that just has a lot of ideas down. And what if this? What if that? You know, that kind of thing. Um, and I, I guess if it sticks with me, if my mind starts to generate more ideas and I start to think about it in at night or in the morning, right be, in that kind of time, right before you're really conscious, mm -hmm. um, then I know there's something there. And sometimes I can put an idea, have an idea, and it's not until a few years later that I suddenly go, mm -hmm. oh, that's how you tell that story. Um, you know, that happened with I Love You Man, mm -hmm. where I'd read a script called Let's Make Friends that was sort of I, I love the concept, the, the actual specifics of the script um, wasn't a story that I wanted to tell. But like years later, I was like, almost like in the middle of the night, I was like, oh, I think I know how to tell that story for mm. me. And, you know, we got the rights to Let's Make Friends. And I wrote mm. basically my own version that became I Love You, Man. Was that was the point, the urgency of getting married or was it more about something else? It was no, it was more the character that that Paul Rudd ends up playing it was more mm -hmm. a way in through the character because in in I believe it's been a long time but the original mm -hmm. script he was more of like a normal sort of guy's guy who just didn't have guy friends for whatever <laughs> reasons people did right. and I thought well what if it's almost like he's got a problem like he truly 
is very comfortable around women, but he's super uncomfortable and awkward around other men. Mm. Um, he's just always been inclined that way. And that, that opened up the whole story for me. Mm. Do you think, um, I think when I, I spoke with the writers of The Hangover and they said, if if, an, if a comedy idea is too complex, it's probably more of a sketch than a movie. Do you kind of find some solace in that? Is it better to be pretty simple with like plot points? I, I love, I like that. Those guys are, are excellent writers. So I'm not surprised they'd come up with something smart like that. Yeah, I do. I try to gravitate towards like a simple, relatable sticky idea that that's not crazy you know it, mm. it's just kind of like i mean i didn't come up with the idea of meet the parents okay you mm -hmm. know I, I worked on it extensively yeah. but that is a brilliant like yeah it's out there for everyone you've got to meet you, you know who hasn't met a significant other's uh parents that's a rite of passage and that's such a simple idea i love you man is like it's hard to make friends as an adult um <laughs> You know, me time right. is like, you know, my new movie is like, who doesn't, what would you do if you're always with your family and you have a few days to yourself and you're mm -hmm. out of practice and what are you going to do with that time? You know, so I do think of these kind of simple ideas and then explode them from there. So where did the new idea come from? You kind of just mentioned that, but were you, was it your like origin of thought? Did you get attached to something? What were some of the logistics of getting involved uh, with it? Yeah. I mean, you know, um, I was having a conversation with one of our executive producers, you know, who was saying he was uh, alone without his family for the first time in a while. And, and that suddenly sparked like, oh, there could be something in there. And uh, then I left the idea for quite some time and was playing. I think I made another movie in between, but then was playing around with the, the Huck character, Mark Wahlberg's character, the idea of this sort of mid forties person who's unmarried and, is the life of these parties, but the, the people that come to the parties get younger and younger as he gets older and older. And I kind of combined that idea with this previous idea and was like, oh, what if, you know, what if the person who stays home alone ends up linking up with his kind of estranged best friend, who's this Wahlberg character? And that hmm. then, then the idea took off from there. Has anything changed for you? I, I can I can imagine um, if you're between drafts and some actors come on, do you start to change at all once you know a Wahlberg and Kevin Hart are attached, or do you do you have this still original character in your mind, pretty firm? No, I I revise quite. I tend to revise quite a bit. So when, especially like on this project, Me Time, when Kevin got involved. Um, I rewrote the script significantly with mm. his voice in mind, with new scenes that I thought would work well for him. I always had this stay-at-home parent who, you know, he's he's a stay-at-home dad. He's he's, you know, while his wife is this architect and, you know, kills it in her career and he's got these insecurities. So that was there, but um a lot of the specifics with the voice and Kevin being this singer-songwriter and doc, you know, who used to be called Dr. Silk um, <laughs> and this whole burning man sequence all that came about after kevin got involved so um it, it varies you know from time to time but in this case having long phone calls with kevin or zooms and hearing his voice and he's so brilliant at just riffing and <laughs> crazy ideas and some of them you go how am i going to get that in or this and that but he gave me a lot of inspiration and and uh, so i ended up doing quite a significant uh rewrite to the script and I think they had, this might be, uh, can I ask you to speak for them, but I think they had been trying to work together for some time. Is there something special about the script or in a conversation that, that stood out to make that connection with uh, Wahlberg and Kevin Hart? 
Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely had had wanted to work together. Kevin came on first. Like I said, you know, he became my one of my producing partners on the movie and I rewrote it for him. And then we were thinking of who could play Huck and we went after Mark. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of as simple as that. Mark, his team read the script and I think really liked the character for him, liked the script and maybe knew some of my stuff and, you know, like the mm-hmm. idea of him pairing with Kevin and then Mark really clicked with it. I remember we had this great call, you know, where he was quoting lines from the script. And I think he liked that the Huck character, even though he's out there and does some ridiculous and morally questionable things that <laughs> his heart is in the right place. Mm-hmm. And I think like Mark, his heart is, he's a sweet man and, and, you know, a really good person. And I think he clicked with that generosity of spirit in this character Mm. and so we were off to the races after that how do you think about it It seems like uh, first of all they don't make as many comedy movies today it's kind of just gone towards television um how do you think about comedies or or a comedy like this maybe meant to have broad appeal but comedy itself is so specific and a lot of your movies are so specific how do you kind of balance those two big things like from what's expected versus having that specific voice as well I try to, um, I never try to write anything broad. So I try to make, I know you could go, well, Kevin Hart's Mm -hmm. running from a mountain lion, but I try (laughs) to make that, yes, it could be broad, but I try to make it believable and feel real Mm -hmm. and that it could actually happen. And so I, in terms, you know, I just try to write things that are relatable to me and in, in the culture that I observe. And, you know, I've been fortunate that, that some of these ideas seem to have clicked kind of with audiences, different types, you know, different backgrounds, different um, where they live, you know, uh, it doesn't always happen that way. But I, I think if you have a universal idea that's just relatable to to human beings, not to just like you have to be this kind of person to get that, um, then I think, you know, I try to make the characters as specific as possible and just go from there. And you can't control everything. You just have to tell the story the best you can and hope that audiences uh, click with it. So you mentioned kind of rewriting once, once Kevin Hart came on board, was there ever a time early in your career where you had trouble with scrapping pages doing something like that? Did you, do you have any advice for people that are having trouble, like making a better version because of whatever reason? Yeah. I mean, I, listen, I, early on, I remember a couple of things come to mind on Zoolander. Um, I was working on a draft and I just did not have it and i was trying so hard and you know it nothing it just wasn't work i was writing stuff but it wasn't good and i remember i remember showing it to ben stiller and i just he's a sweet man so he's going to be gentle but i could just see disappointment in his face. <laughs> i was at the beginning of my career and he was we had worked together a bit but he was kind of taking a chance on me it wasn't like i was in a big established comedy writer and i just remember talking to him and after that talk, I kind of like let something go. And suddenly I got in a, in a rhythm and start and got in the, in the zone, you know, kind of, I don't know, not trying so hard and just kind of letting it come to me. And so, you know, that helped, um, that conversation with him where he just gave me a few thoughts and, uh, and suddenly that unlocked things. And I was able to write mm. a much better draft. It was hard to get worse than the draft I wrote, but <laughs> a, a better draft, um, you know, I, I think when I when I compare myself to others, that's when I really get in, in a bad spot. So I just try to write 
it's hard, you know, because we're all thinking about other people and we have so much information at our fingertips now. Um, but I think just getting into that room and and the keyboard and just thinking about what story do you do I want to tell? And it doesn't mm. matter. No one ever sees this. It might be the worst thing ever, but I'm going to try it. Usually that frees me up. Was there any false beliefs you had early in your career? Like you you were just certain something about comedy writing and now you know you know that's no longer the case? Hmm. That's a good question. I don't, I don't think so. I don't, by the way, I didn't know everything. I don't, I didn't still, I don't know a lot. I just know what I do. You know, um, I think, well, I do think that early on, I didn't, when I went wrong, it was thinking about this is a funny situation. That's a funny situation as opposed to character and mm -hmm what make what makes it funny is going to be the character in a certain situation. So just thinking about comedic situations, um, you know, once I let go of that and put all the focus on character, uh, that really, that freed me up. And I think the work became deeper and, and funnier. Is it by chance that you've stuck to movies? Have you thought about television? Like, do you have any advice for people that are, are still trying to make comedy movies today? <laughs> Yeah. Um, I've worked in TV. I've directed a bunch of TV and, you know, just a couple of years ago, I, um, wrote, uh, a couple episodes of a, of a series with my buddy, Ian Helfer and Sharon Horgan, who's so amazing and catastrophe and a new show mm -hmm. coming out. Um, but you know, it, it didn't get picked up at the time. So I was, I was ready to, to dip my toe, you know, as a creator in TV, mm -hmm. um, and I love it because there's so many great stories and, you know, uh, the characters can keep on going and, and you don't necessarily need to like make people laugh out loud as much as a comedic motion picture. But I still love the form of, of the kind of comedy movies that I grew up on and that I've made over the past 20 something years, you know, so I do think there's a place for it. You know, I mean, there's so fewer. I, yeah, it's been interesting. You know, people are like, God, there's no comedies out there true comedies you know yeah. there's like half hour shows that are comedic in quotes but they're not really meant to make you laugh i love uh, many of them by the way mm -hmm. um but uh i guess my advice is like i still think audiences like comedy movies they may not necessarily run out to the theaters but that's where the netflixes and you know other other streamers take over and um mm -hmm. i do certainly when we were testing this movie we tested in a movie theater you know People still enjoyed coming to a theater and and laughing their asses off and um, not taking themselves too seriously. We don't we work hard, but we don't take the the movie seriously. We know it's there to entertain people. You know, it's a sweet movie at at the end of the day. But um, I'd say people shouldn't be scared of of dipping their toe into into motion picture comedy. It may be streamed. Maybe maybe the theatrical experience will come back. I'm not mm. sure for comedies, but um, there are outlets and I do believe that audiences love them as much as they always did. They just may not, you know, run out to, to a movie theater to see them. Have you been kind of encouraged to go? Cause Kevin Hart, Mark Wahlberg, Ryan Reynolds, they do kind of lean towards action comedy because it has more of that universal appeal. It's kind of two in one. Have you kind of been like guided by the studios at all to pitch more ideas like that? Um. I haven't been guided by the studios, but I, it's a genre I'm interested in. You know, mm -hmm. I love 
action comedies when they're done well. Some of my favorite movies growing up are action comedies. And it's something I haven't done. I mean, this movie has a bit of action, but it's not mm. an action comedy, you know, at all. Um, there is an idea I'm playing with that that's an action comedy. So I, I do think that um, I would have fun in that space. And I do think when you nail it, audiences like it. I do think they're incredibly challenging because you have to do two genres really well. <laughs> and I think that's why a lot of them aren't that good because it's hard enough to do one genre well. Um, but uh, I think it'd be a fun challenge for me, for sure. For those new writers who are just kind of looking at your IMD page and, and seeing a lot of a lot of hits there, um, what does it kind of look like in between? Like, do you have a drawer full of spec scripts that, and stuff like that? What does some of that look like that for people that are, you know, maybe discouraged and trying to break in today? Sure. Yeah, I know it's, you know, IMDb is amazing, but it it truly doesn't tell the story. You know, it tells the movies that got made and, um, there are definitely, there's not a million scripts in my drawer, but there are a few, mm -hmm. some, you know, there's a couple of scripts that I worked super hard on and sold and got set up and just didn't get made. You know, mm -hmm. I, I ultimately think like, had I been ready to make them, I would have made them. I, I mm -hmm. put the responsibility on me. Yes. Studios didn't want to make them at the time with the cast. I presented them with this and that, but I, I look back and I think there was something about them. So there's, I've spent you know, years, months, years on projects that didn't get made. Um, mm. You know, in between, I, I write ideas down. Some, some I write as scripts. Some are just treatments that I'm just like, it just doesn't, I'm not there. I'm just not good enough or it's not sticking with me enough. And yeah, I invested all this time, but I have to let it go. And that's mm. a hard decision, but one I've made repeatedly because like, it's just, there's not enough in it for me. Mm. Um you know, so in between, I've also worked on other people's movies kind of as a script doctor. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm uncredited on, you know, a bunch of movies, um, you know, that, that, that I've helped out on. And uh, yeah, it's also in between, you know, I'm just walking around living life, trying to think of what other stories I want to tell and, mm -hmm. you know, hoping that, that something clicks and that, you know, the muse will hit me, but I think we have to put ourselves in position for the muse to, to come. It's not just, you know, a miraculous thing out of thin air. It's like, you have to sit down and really think about what you're interested in. And sometimes a story comes. I know you've, you've always kind of been the writer director. Do you do anything different in your scripts knowing that you're going to direct it? Or is there kind of a separate document or, or lookbook or something you're doing uh, with that in mind? No, I, I tend to just write the script the best way I can. I If it's one that I'm directing and, you know, I've written a bunch of movies for, that other people have directed, but, but, you know, a bunch that I've directed. Um, mm -hmm. I definitely think of the location. I'm like, okay, do I, I'm not going to write Antarctica because I don't want to be away from my family for that long. And it's cold. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, that's in the back of my mind, you know, where do I want to be? Um, but uh, no, I try to write the script just as well as I can make it as good a read as I can, even if I'm directing it, I know a lot of the studio is going to read it and actors and this and that. So I try to make it like as entertaining a read as I can. And, mm -hmm. um, and then just, but I don't put in like a lot of camera moves or this and that, you know, knowing that I'm going to direct it. I feel like that, then I shift focus from writer person to director person once mm -hmm. it's going as a movie. And then I approach it slightly differently. 
Are there, um, when you're, when you're acting as a script doctor or maybe reading someone else's script that you may take on and adapt something like that, um, are there commonalities in like errors or problems that you see, or is it more about changing the voice? Like what are some of those bits of advice you might have? I mean, yeah, you know, there's different issues a lot. Sometimes like the plot just goes in crazy directions and I, I just don't understand the choices that, that, that the writer made, you know, um, sometimes a lot of times it's character where I feel like the character is not fleshed out, doesn't have a goal, isn't specific. I think this specificity is a big thing I see in scripts that don't work as well. Hmm. And, you know, I've tried to bring a lot of that to my own work, but to work I, I've done as a script doctor where, you know, just a lot of times you're like, oh, 20 actors could play this part. And I think if we do our jobs well, there's like two actors could play this part or maybe even one because mm. it's so specific. And of course, if you get a different actor, you'll rewrite it for, for them, which I've done mm. many times. But um, specificity and lack of specificity is a big um, pitfall that I see in scripts that that don't work as well. Have you always had that work ethic or can you can you kind of relate back to when it came in to like where you're so committed that you're willing to rewrite the whole script for some writers, maybe they're not thinking like that. They're that's probably they're being too broad. But have you always had that work ethic or where did that come from? I do think I've I've always had that work ethic. I don't know, can't know why. I mean, I grew up, both my parents worked and I saw they worked hard and um, you know, uh got a lot of satisfaction from that. Um, my older sister works really hard. You know, I, I, I had relatives that I'm close with. I, I saw that. And I think early on, I had a sense that you really have to work your ass off to succeed, that it's not just going to, you know, be thrown in, in your lap. Um, but yeah, I've, I've never been that precious about my work. I think I, you know, I love many filmmakers like the Coen brothers or Quentin or people like that, you know, don't want a word changed or anything like that. That's awesome. And, you know, early on my first movie, Safe Men, which is like a smaller cult kind of movie, um, that script, there's very little improv. And I just didn't really know about improv at the time. Um, and I was, I can't say I was precious, but the rhythms I wanted. And, uh, but then I got, you know, I started to be more open and working with people early on, like Ben Stiller and Jay Roach and learning from them, you know, and, and working with Judd Apatow and TV early on and learning mm -hmm. about improv, you know, that really influenced the way I thought about my own work. And so I just kept, I, I think early on, even in college, I rewrote my monologues constantly and I started to understand how much of a grind, you know, but that it does get better when you keep, keep, you know, chiseling away at it. When you're, when you're kind of coming in as the writer and director, do you kind of say all that stuff? How do you invite improv and invite people to go different ways with it? What are something you might say to the cast or the crew? Um, yeah, I mean, well, the crew has to be prepared. So I'm always saying, you know, that's why we film with two cameras, almost always one pointed at one actor, one pointed at the other, you know, um, you know, the great fancy DPs, directors of photography will bristle at that, but <laughs> that's what captures um performance in mm -hmm. improvisatory situations. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of times I will, you know, cast actors who I know are adept at improv. That's really important. So even when we're talking in the casting process, it's like, I have to know that they can do that. You know, not everybody is as good, but, um, 
And it's not always them coming up with everything. You know, a lot of times I'm behind the monitors shouting ideas out. Every actor is different. Some just are in relentlessly inventive and just come up with stuff that I could never think of. Others will run with something, but I need to feed them an, a line or an idea more specifically. So mm. it's a very interactive process, you know, when I'm directing, it's not just like call action and <laughs> let them do their thing. It's call action and observe and call ideas out. And, you know, other people around me will have an idea and I'll take a good idea anywhere, you know, um, and pitch the actor the idea. And sometimes what I pitch them won't work, but it'll spark a little something and they'll run with something else. So it's, it's very um, energizing and very, very creative, you know, I think on these movies, as opposed to like a drama, which, you know, you're saying the words and, you know, obviously you're crafting performance, but the words don't change that much. From what I hear, I haven't been to <laughs> drama sets. We don't get invited to those. <laughs> and just uh, last question, you've given a lot of great advice already, but any other just uh, bits of advice to encouraging young writers today trying to break in? Um, you know, this may be a cliche, but I do believe that that the beauty of writing is you're like one script away from starting your career. And mm. I, I, you know, I always believe that, that like I had power even before I had anything in this business. I was like, I have power because I have the ability to write. Now, no one told me I had the ability. I wasn't getting any paychecks or any affirmation. I just, it was a gut thing that I was like, I think I'm a pretty funny writer and I have a point of view. And so, you know, as opposed to acting where you rely on uh, other people to give you work, you know, and, and they have to cast you and you have to say their lines, like writing, you, it is empowering. And so I think it's hard. You have to work relentlessly. You have to rewrite. You can't be defensive. I see beginning writers or up and coming writers who are kind of defensive and a little precious. And you see the professional writers who are like, we get notes from everywhere and we don't always agree with them, but you have to see like, where's that note coming from? Maybe I'm not going to take their solution, but maybe they're, they're onto something and, and what they said can spark, push me to make my work better. Um, so to me, you know, those are all the things you're, you're people starting out because you're a writer, you have, you have a lot of power, even though you may not know it. And you just have to keep going and keep grinding. And um, if one script, you know, you can't put everything on one script. You have to like, okay, maybe that's not working or maybe it's not getting made or traction right now. I got another one in the pipeline. So, you know, you have to just constantly keep going if that makes sense. I don't know if that's helpful or not, but that's, those, those, that's what I, you know, some things that helped me and some, some of my mentor types told me when I was starting out. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the show. So many great lessons on screenwriting there. If you're looking for some more information, though, some more about the craft of writing for television, uh, we have a new chorus called Script Mastermind, where we have 21 of our proven experts telling you how to write for television, how to write a screenplay, how to break in, things like that. Uh, this includes shows of Gordon Levitt, Judd Apatow, also the writers of shows like Handmaid's Tale, Mosquito Coast, Hunters, Solar Opposites, Resident Alien, WandaVision, the list goes on and on. Check that out. Uh, you can get this all right now for $1 at scriptmastermind.com slash television. That is the television screenwriting masterclass. It is at scriptmastermind.com slash television. We'll see you next time with a new episode.